Amen. Firm in the anchor of his love. You know what that's called? It's called hope. We have hope. Isn't hope a great word? Hope is a wonderful, wonderful word. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. It's a powerful word. Hope helps us move forward when, when our life is difficult. It helps us get up when life knocks us down. It gives us confidence that there's a better day ahead of us. Hope shows us the light that is at the end of the tunnel. It assures us that this too shall pass. Life without hope is a, a terrible, terrible thing. But man, when you have hope, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter the struggles that you're going through. You can have excitement in, in, in those struggles, in those difficulties, when you have hope. That is why Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 18. He says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. God wants us to live in hope. God wants us to live in confidence. Knowing that a better day awaits us tomorrow. He wants us to see and to understand that, that he offers us hope. A problem is, is that there are many people who don't really understand the hope that God is offering. Too many Christians live in a world where they don't understand, they don't fully comprehend the hope that God is offering. They're like the grandparent with the new iPhone. They've got this iPhone that can do all these amazing and wonderful things, but all they know is, hello? I don't know how to turn this thing off. They don't know all the buttons. They don't know how everything works. I was just down with my father-in-law the other day, and he's getting all these notifications through Facebook, and he's like, I don't know how to turn these things off. Well, you just got to go here and do this and do that. That's how so many Christians are. We, we have this, these, this great hope in Christ and salvation, and we don't know what all the buttons do. Or it's like the new missionary that, that comes back from the, the foreign field and gets in a brand new car and goes, wow, what do all these buttons do? And how long have you driven around in something or had a phone and you go, I didn't know we could do that. Years later, I remember one time one of my kids were at my computer and they were messing around and touching buttons and, and I came to it and the, it had a split screen on it, not like split, like broken, but two applications open at the same time and, and proportionally even. And after I scolded them for touching my computer when they weren't supposed to, I took a little bit of time trying to figure out how they did what they just did because I didn't know we could do that. And I wanted to learn. It was a useful thing that it could do. That's how we are in, in our life many times. We meander through life. Yes, we got saved. Yes, we got trust in Christ. But there is so much more to Christianity. There's a hope in our life. There's excitement that we should live with. But we're like the new person in the car that doesn't know what this button does or that button does. And we're just satisfied that it gets us from point A to point B. But there's so much more and we should live in hope. Many people, even born-again Christians, are living... Without knowing what all the buttons are. Living without knowing all the power that we have in our salvation. God offers us so much in salvation. Yet we don't fully understand all that he's offering us. We haven't tried all the buttons. We don't know. We just know the basics. 
And the believers at Ephesus were like that. And so Paul prays for them in verse number 18 that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you'll get the owner's manual out, that you'll read it, and that you'll understand all that is being offered to you, that you'll understand all that you have in your salvation, that they'll fully comprehend all that God offers him, all the hope that we have in Christ. And the first thing that he mentions to them, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. You see, as Christians, we have a hope in a forgiven past. A hope in a forgiven past that you may know what is the hope of his calling. It says in verse number 7, in whom we have redemption. Through his blood, we've been singing about that all morning, through the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. As born-again believers, we have the hope of a forgiven past. We can see in verse number 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us, in him when before the foundation of the world. God chose us from before the foundation of the world. Before you were ever born. Before you ever came to existence. God chose you. God said I want to save him. And before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ was a lamb that was slain. Before the foundation of the world, God loved us so much that he chose us to rescue us and to save us. He knew that we would mess up. He knew we would never be good enough. And yet he loved us enough to choose us in our sin. He chose us to be his son. It says in verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Not only did he make us holy by choosing us to salvation, he made us his sons. Isn't that an amazing thing? The God of this universe who created all these things, all the stars that we see at night, all the tiniest little bugs, this great God who created all of these things said, I love you. And he chose you and he adopted you into his family. He made you his child. That is the love of God. And not because of anything good that we have done. Not because we deserve to be his sons, but by his sacrifice and his grace. God loves us. God loved us enough to save us. Even though we are sinners, even though we mess up, God sent Jesus to rescue us. That when we call upon him, he'll save us from our sins. That we might be his children. When verse 18 says that we have a hope of his calling, it means that we have hope in a forgiven past. God knew that we would sin. However, God loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Then for those who that believe, what did Jesus do for them? He gave them power to become the sons of God. And he freed us from all the sin that we've ever committed. It says in Hebrews 8, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities while I remember no more. When we accept Christ as our Savior, God chooses not to remember any of the sins that we have ever committed. He chooses not to remember. Isn't that amazing? You know, there's so many people that are burdened by their past. 
They have no hope for the future because they cannot forgive themselves for their past mistakes or because they are overwhelmed with the guilt of the past sins in their life. But God tells us that we have hope. That he has forgiven us of our past. That he has wiped the slate clean when Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. And we put our faith and our trust in him. God wipes that past away from us. He makes us as if we've never sinned. He justifies us and he changes our life. We become new creatures in Jesus Christ. The past is wiped away and Jesus says he will remember our sins no more. And if God... If God can choose not to remember our sin anymore, then we can too. If God says, I'm not going to look back at your past. I'm not going to remember your past mistakes because all that is washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Then we don't have to look at the past anymore either. We don't have to focus on our past anymore. We can be forgiven. And knowing that our past is forgiven gives us hope for tomorrow. Do you have hope? Are you living in hope? Or does your past keep you down? Do you keep thinking about those past mistakes that you've made? Does Satan keep whispering in your ear? Remember what you used to do? Remember what you used to be like? And we allow that to weigh us down. And we're, we're bogged down by the burden of a past. And we have discouragement. We enter into depression. And God wants us to know that you can have hope. You can have a past that is forgiven. That he will forgive you of your sin if you ask him to. God wants you to live in hope. If you ask, Jesus will save you. The choir just sang about that a minute ago. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. You can have the shackles removed from your life. You can be free from the burden of sin. You can live in victory. Because Jesus saves. Jesus saves. We can have a past that has been forgiven. He will forgive us. And when we ask him to forgive us, he'll choose not to remember our past anymore. And if God can forgive and forget, then so can we. We can forgive and forget our past. You can have hope in a forgiven past, as it says in verse number one, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. But not only do we see that we have hope in a forgiven past, we have hope in a promised future. It says in verse 18 that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. In verse number 11, it says, In whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him. Who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Not only do we have the hope of forgiven past, we have hope for tomorrow. We have been promised an inheritance that is beyond anything that we have today. Romans 8, 17 says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And so according to this verse, we will share in the glory of Christ as his joint heirs. I have one older brother. I know he's the favorite. My mom and dad are here, they'll deny it, but I know he's the favorite. But the good thing is, is hopefully I'm a joint heir with him. And so everything that he receives, I get to receive as well. I get to split it right down the middle with him. And you see, when we come to know Jesus Christ as our saviors, we become heirs of God. It doesn't mean that we'll receive a a little shack somewhere. It says that we are co-heirs with Christ, joint heirs with Christ. That means everything that he receives... We receive as well. 
because we've been adopted into the family of God. The term heirs emphasizes our relationship with God the Father. And as his sons, the Bible says in 1 Peter that we have an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven. You see, everything that your parents are leaving for you, guess what? That'll be nice for a little bit, but that'll fade away. That's not going to last forever. That will fade away. That is corruptible. It dies off. But the inheritance that we have in God, the inheritance we have in Christ, is an eternal inheritance that never fades away, that is never corrupted, and we get to enjoy it forever and ever and ever. That is hope. That is exciting. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ because we're a part of the family of God. Because God has made us his children, we have the full rights to receive the inheritance as his children. We are the beneficiaries of it. Jesus, the only begotten son, is the natural heir of the father. And God said to him, thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. The inheritance of Christ is the whole universe. Everything that exists. Hebrews 1, 2 says that the son, Jesus, is appointed heir to all things. Jesus Christ is the heir to all things. And guess what? You're a joint heir with him. And so if he is the heir of all things, so are you. You get to inherit all things. The Bible tells us that Jesus will share with us his glory in John 17, 22. It says he'll share with us his riches in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. And that he'll share with us all things. We are as welcome in God's family as Jesus is. He has made us accepted in the beloved. It says in verse number 6, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. God looks at us and he says, he doesn't go, I don't like him. Oh, I don't, I'm not going to accept him. No, he looks at us and says, I love him. He's accepted in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to receive him as my own, as my child. Everything that belongs to Jesus Christ belongs to us. That's an inheritance. That is the future that God has promised his children. As a son of the king, we will inherit the earth. We have a very bright future. You know, there's so many who are depressed and worried because they see no hope for the future. They have big problems. They find themselves in debt. They have medical situations. And they look out in their future and they go, I don't see much hope. You know, living in Uruguay for 12 years, we, it was the, they had the highest rate of suicide among all of, of South America. And uh, I tried to talk to the Uruguayan people about it and find out what it was and talk to the young people. And, and what I came to find out is that they just didn't have hope. You see, here in America, there's, there's always the possibility of a, a better job, of a, a future that is more prosperous. But in Uruguay, they know they're more than likely going to grow up in their house and live there their whole life. The job that they're going to have is probably the same job that their parents had. And that's all they see before them. They don't have any excitement. They don't have any hope of what is awaiting them. And so they, they have no excitement for the future. Their hopes are dashed. And so they say, what's the point of living? But you see, as we as Christians should never get to that point. Because as Christians, we have a hope of a better tomorrow. No matter what is going on in life, 
No matter the financial situation we have in, no matter the problems we have in our family, no matter the problems we have with our help, man, we have a future that is guaranteed for us in heaven, that treasure that is awaiting us. We have the inheritance of the saints, the inheritance of Jesus Christ that we get to enjoy forever and ever and ever. You see, as Christians, there is always hope for a brighter future. There is always hope for a better day tomorrow because one day, we're going to be with Jesus Christ. One day we're going to worship at his feet. And one day we're going to enjoy all the riches that he has guaranteed to us. That is the hope that Christians should always live with. God has promised us a wonderful future. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not this year. But one day as heirs of glory we'll be able to live and enjoy with Jesus Christ forever and ever. That should give us hope. See, we have hope of a forgiven past. We have hope of a promised future. But we also have hope of a powerful present. Look with me in verse number 19. And it says, What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at the right hand of, uh, of his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. What is this power? God said that we have great power in verse number 19. He has given us exceeding greatness of his power to usward. Notice that this power is to, to those who believe in, in verse number 19. It says, the great, exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. Now look back with me in verse number 13. We saw in verse number 11, it's 7, it says, in whom we have redemption. In verse number 11, it says, in whom we have obtained an inheritance. First two points. And now in verse 13, continuing, in whom ye tr also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, like it said in verse number 19, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You know what the present that we, the, the power that we have in this present life is? It's the Spirit of God living and dwelling in us. When someone is saved, Holy Spirit comes to live, to dwell within them. And they become the temple of God. And through the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, we have great power. We have access to great power. You know, we don't need to pray for power to evangelize. Because God has already promised it to us in Acts 1.8. He says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We don't need power. We don't need to pray for power to do God's will. Because it says in Philippians, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Paul said, I labor striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. Jesus promised to his disciples that the spirit of truth dwelleth in you and shall be in you. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come to live in his disciples. And shortly after his resurrection, the Bible says that Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, now dwells in all of those who trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. And this supernatural power that God provides to every believer is the same power 
that he used to raise Jesus Christ up from the dead. We just celebrated Easter last Sunday. That Easter, that great day where God raised Jesus Christ up from the dead and defeated hell and defeated death and gave victory. That same power that was used is now afforded to us, has now been given to us. And we as Christians can live in the power of God. We have power over sin. We have power over death. We have power over the grave. We can live in victory through Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit lives in us. This is the power that we have dwelling in us. There is no problem that is too big. There is no sin that is too strong. There is no addiction that is too addictive. There is no marriage that is too broken. There is no child that is too far gone. There is no bill that is too big. There is nothing that is too difficult for the power that now works in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. We have resurrection power living in our hearts. And I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. I can live in victory. I can live over the power of sin in my life. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. I can win through the power of the Holy Spirit. I have present power. God is living in me. And if you know Christ as your Savior, God is living in you as well. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is now living in me and working through me. And as Paul states over in chapter number 3 and verse number 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to what? The power that worketh in us. See, we have the power to do more than we could ever even think about. Your wildest dreams you can do. Through the power of the Spirit of God that is living in you. We don't need to live in defeat. We don't need to live discouraged. As Christians, we don't need to be depressed. If we are saved, we have present power living in us and working through us. God himself wants to work through your life. And there is nothing that is too hard for him. We have present power in Jesus Christ. You know, friends, we can live in hope. We can live in hope. We can have a past that can be forgiven. We can have a future that can be full of promise. And we can have a present that can be carried out in the power of God. We can have hope. And that is what Paul prayed for that church at Ephesus. That they would understand, he said in verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. And God wants the same for us today. There's so many Christians that are walking around with that brand new cell phone, that brand new iPhone, and have no clue what all those buttons do. And there are so many Christians that are living in Christ and that have been saved, that have been born again, and all they're confident in is that one day they're going to be in heaven. But they have no power in their present life. They live defeated by their past. They have no hope for the future that is waiting them. And they live in defeat and depression. And they don't know all the buttons that God has given for us, all the power that we have through the Spirit of God, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Dear friends, is that you this morning? Do you have hope? Are you living in hope or do you live in, in fear and in defeat because of your past mistakes? You know, God will forgive you if you ask him. 
you've never been saved, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to wash you as white as snow, to cleanse you today, today he can rescue you and save you from your sin. All you've got to do is ask him. There is no sin that is too great. There is no sinner that is too wicked that Jesus Christ cannot save. He can rescue you if you call upon him today. Christian, man, I don't know what your past life was about. You might have been a teenager, an adult when you got saved, and you have a world of past that bogs you down. If you know Christ is your Savior, all that's been forgotten. And you can live in victory today. You can live in victory today. You can forget it as well. And God can give you power to live in victory. How about tomorrow? You excited about tomorrow? What's tomorrow? Monday. Well, no one likes Monday. But man, if we're Christians, we have a great tomorrow awaiting us. Maybe not Monday, but one day we'll be in heaven. And there's always hope for tomorrow. You can live in victory with hope for tomorrow. And you can live in victory today and power through the Holy Spirit of God. That sin that is, that is holding on to you, that problem that is pulling you down, you don't have to let it. Through the person of the Holy Spirit working in your life, you can have victory today because he has given you power over sin, over death, and over the grave. You can live in victory no matter the situation in your life. Dear friend, I want you to know this morning, there's hope. You can live in hope. I just pray with Paul that you will understand all those buttons, all the power that you have through Jesus Christ. And as Paul said, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance saints and what is the exceeding power, greatness of his power to usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And God, I, I don't know the situations of everyone's life here this morning. God, there could be some people here that are really struggling today. That are living in defeat. They feel depressed, discouraged. But God, I pray that your spirit will speak to them this morning. And that they might see the hope that is in Christ. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that has never trusted in Christ, that has never been born again, that has never been saved, having their, had their sins forgiven, God, I pray even now that your spirit will work in them and that you'll show them how much you love them and what you did for them in dying for them to rescue them. God, may you speak to us this morning. May you do that work in our hearts that we can't do on our own. And God, may there be an eternal change in our lives. May you give us hope this morning to follow you and to live in victory through Jesus Christ. With our heads bowed and our eyes to...